Welcome you all to new episode of Sportsy. Let's talk sports. This is where we talk about fun aspects of sports and the informative aspects of sports. And uh, we talk to a lot of uh, people who have been uh, who are players or administrators or the companies who are doing great job in sports industry. Today we have somebody that I call from dental to mental. Uh, one of the very renowned uh, coach uh, who is gone uh, from being a pro- medical professional to a mental coach. Please welcome Dr. Sarup Sabdur. Hello, Dr. Sarup. It's really great to have you on the platform, Sportsy, where we just talk about sports. So, for for the viewers who are watching this, we have Dr. Sarup Sabdur with us, who is dental medic, medical professional turned into a mental coach. It's the journey that he has. I think we will get to hear from him about the, the whole journey that he has, and what we want to know from him today is about what is mental conditioning. We've been hearing about it a lot, but I think it is good to know from the man himself and. for that i would just want to request him to give a small introduction about his journey uh, before we can get into the question answers on this thanks siddharth for having me here i think this is a great uh, initiative that you have started uh, and it's the need of the hour and i'm happy to be here and i thank you for inviting me for your talk so my journey started uh, about uh, 16 years back uh, so you can say i'm uh, one of the <laughs> Uh, people who have been into brain science uh, learning for since 2001 and okay. it started on a day when i was in my practice uh, and uh, the cargill war had happened and at that time uh, you know i was just that time the only uh, if the indians if you look at it that time did not have that killer instinct right that was the norm right you remember that right. time and there was something that was churning inside me then the sydney olympics debacle happened and um, i went to an army uh, I, i went to a talk by the chief of army staff that time mm-hmm. and he said that if we can't win at sports with can't we can't win wars and it came in the papers the next day and uh, it hit me so hard that i decided that this is the thing i want to do and in 2002 i decided i want to get into sports and do something for my country incidentally the board that you see over here uh, behind mm-hmm. me it is the cutting of that same article that i still wow. have 17 years hence oh wow it's now a adores, for you it is it adores my wall so you can imagine the impact that it had so anyways i went i started uh, an organization called as future vision sports i started understanding grassroots sports i um, conducted about 500 football matches in pune in 2004 i i got indian express and all different uh, paper organizations to click photographs color for photographs of children put it so that you know they get motivated to play and enjoy and all that stuff then i went to switzerland i did my diploma in eeg and brain conditioning in 2004 and since i came back in 2006 7 i started slowly using uh, the things that i learned into various uh, schools and at kindergarten level and at children and i think so i must have worked with almost thousands of kids at that age mm-hmm. but at the, at that time of course uh, mental coaching or even the Uh, sports psychology part was a very big taboo and even now now of course there is awareness but at that time it was all the more uh, i actually had coaches shoo me I actually had parents not wanting to discuss things with me but over that ex- that experience uh, helped me understand much more from how uh, people perceive this to be mm-hmm. and slowly and uh, as results started coming in people were started becoming more open open to it 
Then I was the mental coach for the Vidarbha Ranji team from 2000 to 16, yes. and followed by the mental coach for the Indian football team for the FIFA Under 17 World Cup, and now working with a lot of Olympic athletes, teen athletes. So this has been my short journey over the last 15, 16 years, and I'm really happy to see the kind of change now that uh, people uh, look at when they look at mental coaching, and I'm happy to be a part of it. So staggering uh, resume that you have. So now no longer dentistry for you. No, it's absolutely it's gone. <laughs> it's completely gone. Okay, so you're, they, moved, they, they, you're moved from mouth to the head now completely. They say you take your life to the next level. So I've literally taken my life from dental to mental, one foot up. Oh wow, that's a nice word. From dental to mental. I think you, you can ha- you can have your you can write your own book on that from dental to mental. <laughs> no, no. So basically I've gone from being a medical professional to now a uh, full-time mental conditioning and a peak performance coach. Okay. So, uh, so doctor, uh, my question uh, here is, uh, so first question I just wanted to ask is like, uh, as you said, your motivation was the, the army chief who said that we, if we can't win in sports, we can't win war. And th- I think there are a few things which just get stuck to you and uh, you go, uh, those things go long way. When the era that we grew up in or something that psychology kind of thing was never considered to be, as you said, it was a it was taboo. What kind of challenges that you saw in the first few years uh, till actually you establish yourself as a mental conditioning coach or what kind of thing that you had to do to be mm. accepted in the industry as a conditioning coach, mental conditioning coach? Yeah, uh, thanks for asking this question, Siddha. Because normally we want to talk only and listen only about the later part, what is going on currently. But I think so the insight that I got that time played a crucial role in where I am today. And uh, when we started, and even now I see in many quarters, when I started, I will look at it as a triangle. And in that triangle, we have got the parent, we have got the athlete, and we have got the coach. Right? And a developing athlete, a teen athlete is normally listening to information that is coming from the coach as well as coming from parents. Right? Right. And I think so at that time, the era, uh, and it's not the fault of the coaches or the parents, but the era in which they grew, where they actually, the coaches themselves have had been players and therefore they came with their own understanding of the game. And mm-hmm. for some reason, the thought was that, you know, this is something that doesn't need that kind of expertise, you know, or working on your mind is not, so, how can you work on your mind, right? You go, you play your game, just, you know, uh, so... You don't need to be casual. You don't need to be really, you know, made, uh, you know, sweet talk them and all that stuff. So that was the kind of uh, challenge that I faced where uh, there was a block that coaches had with regards to many aspects of sports that we see today, right? Even when you look at sports science, sports science is just about starting off, right? And there are many coaches who still don't know what exactly the gamut of sports science is, right? On a broad level. So I think so that was the challenge. Uh, from the parents' point of view, the challenge was whenever we talk about me- the mental part of the game, we are attaching counseling as a thought process. Yeah. Right? And whenever you talk about counseling, that means we look at it, oh my God, does my kid have a problem? So it's a problem-oriented mindset that starts developing whenever you're looking at a mental part. Now, let us say, for example, I've got an injury to my body. So I'm not worried about it. I just go, I just get it, you know, corrected and I come back to the doctor. But when, I, when, I, when we talk about the mental part, I think so, the, it's naturally the parents are going to come. You cannot go to a you know, psychologist, oh my God, it's a big word to use, right? And the third part, which is the athlete part. For the athlete, 
to express themselves is a very difficult task when it comes to the mental part isn't it it's very easy to talk about the technical part of the game it's very Correct. easy to talk about the physical part of the game but to talk about your mind right and to say oh my god i am not believing in myself at that particular moment of time is a big thing and even for us it will be difficult for us to say that oh my god i am not believing in myself right Correct. but it happened you did get doubts at maybe a particular activity that you are doing and to acknowledge this is very difficult for the athletes mm -hmm. and it is these three things that are causing barriers and for me when i when i started working in this industry and i started building and creating i realized that it had to start somewhere and it had to start with the coaches and with the parents and therefore initially i started talking to a lot of coaches not with the intention of trying to you know uh, get athletes or you know make them work with me but just mm -hmm. to express my thought just to open out to them make understand their challenges and slowly but surely i started getting few kids and started seeing the results and the approach of the mm -hmm. coaching was very important right when they realize that it's not like you know like a counseling session where you're sitting one on one and you know it's like the the kid is terrified talking to you because we have got that image you know mm -hmm. of a psychologist means a long couch and a you know a person sitting and a shrink you know the yes. word that they use is shrink you know sitting and talking to them and he himself is completely hazard with big hair and all that stuff so we have got a image that is a label that is attached to these the word of the world of psychology i wanted to break that therefore i did a lot of fun activities i was uh, i was quite innovative in terms of trying to engage the kids the parents in different ways mm -hmm. and through that in fact i have now got my own training approach which really suits and takes that baggage of psychology completely away from mm -hmm. right so i think so this is how i tried to you know circumvent the challenges uh, during those early days i think uh, this is this is phenomenal again it's it this is what shows that how you if you are doing something different or you want to are passionate about it and you have to carve your own way to it and i think uh, what you what you mentioned is and i think it's now uh, as you mentioned it is converting into your own uh, method of doing it i think that is sure. that becomes your own ip absolutely uh, for you to do it so right. uh, so doc is it is it something that the mental conditioning is it something that is uh, sports uh, dependent or it is mainly is a horizontal and then you look at the vertical see finally our mind let us say uh, a mind is in a way independent of the action that is happening because mm -hmm. of which the mind is working for example let us say i have to go and talk in front of a thousand uh, uh, or an audience of thousand people now just imagine the point when i'm going to start walking towards that podium is my heart going to beat yes am i going to start being anxious yes will i have certain thoughts yes will that will i have distractions of what's going to happen what if i don't do well what will I, what will happen if i make a fool of myself absolutely yes and it is the same issues and challenges that athletes face when maybe they are going to go on the field before their match so for the mind in a way the mind doesn't realize that whether you are going to go as a speaker or you are going to play a competitive match the mind is going to react in the same in a similar way and therefore i will say about 70% of the uh, of the things are what the mind is you know and uh, to acknowledge it and therefore it becomes horizontal in that way but okay. the 30% is where it becomes customized mm -hmm. first from the athlete's point of view because every athlete every athlete's personality life journey genetics all that make a huge role and that is where the first vertical uh, and uh, the customization happens 
and the second customization happens at the game level right so for example if he is a boxer then of course uh, there are completely different interventions that i will uh, propose than yeah. for a maybe a cricket player and the third of course then becomes the socio economic and maybe the educational angle where the players are coming from different ways of looking at their game right an urban guy is going to look at the game in a completely different way than from a rural his life experience is different mm-hmm. and therefore my approach with him becomes completely different so to give a very quick example of this sachin tendulkar and virendra sehwag had amazing cover drives they both were known for their cover drives beautiful cover drives the principle of hitting a cover drive doesn't change but if you look at a sehwag and a tendulkar you will see a vast difference in the way they hit that cover drive isn't it so yes. although the principle and the gap and everything was the same the difference was in the personalities that actually affected their playing of that cover drive i think i just remembered the 2003 uh, johannesburg match india pakistan Okay, <laughs> yes. So it it just it just came to my mind when you spoke about the cover drives and yes, uh, what what happened. True. So the even the 2011 World Cup that we had, I think that oh. every every India's game started with a boundary. Absolutely. Uh, I think Sehwag, that is what he played. I think it's all all mental. Right. And, right. and uh, whenever I get to speak to MS also uh, Dhoni also, uh, he right. says that almost 90% of the games are won mentally, won or right. lost mentally. 10% is skill or the luck and all those things but 90% right. is that in fact in one of in his movie also it is shown right they lost right. the game against punjab not on the cricket field but on the basketball field on the basketball yeah absolutely looking, looking at the uh, yuvraj yuvraj singh yes. yeah that's true i remember yes. that yeah very yeah. true so that is about the elite athlete but now if you if you step back what is the role of a family member or a coach like a, as a parent i'm i'm a i'm a sports parent myself so uh, right. what is the role of a parent or a coach early stage coach in the in the mental well being of an athlete see i feel the the role obviously is extremely extremely high but the question that we need to ask ourselves is this do i really know the role that i need to play when it comes to my child or in the in the journey of my child getting into an elite athlete is it clear to me and the answer is actually no it's not actually as clear to me mm-hmm. right and therefore i i truly believe that if you really want to be a partner in your child's development as an athlete you need to learn and unlearn certain things about your own behavior about your own way of thinking if you want to become the right partner right but right. it's difficult for us difficult for difficult for us to change but of course it's very easy for us to tell our kid to change isn't it and therefore right. i feel that along with the training for the kid it's very very important that parents uh, train themselves on how to be a great sports parent and therefore for me one of my main pa- so with all the developing athletes who work with me on an individual basis my first initial 3 months is focused on the parent and less on the <laughs> child because yeah. i know because that they are going to form they, because the child is going to be with them at home and yeah. unless they change right it's going to be very difficult for the child to change his own patterns and behaviors and you know expressions and experience correct correct so i think so the important lacuna in a way is for the child for the parent to understand this to that level where they say oh, can we make that change so uh, i think so that is the uh, uh, that is a key uh, crucial part over here okay i think it's it's very and i can relate it to myself uh, as as a, as a sports mm-hmm. parent with, and right. a lot of people do ask me what is it i understand personally as as a athlete myself 
I, I call right. myself a fa- failed athlete and a, and a, and a successful sportsman. Ah. My, my spirit was never broken. That sportsman sure, spirit was sure. never broken. So next question that I have is, uh, maybe you can feel that these questions are coming actually from within as uh, what I face myself. Right, right. What's the difference between a performance or a peak performance? Great question. Very important to understand that the, the key difference and the key word between performance and peak performance is consistency. Finally, yes. success is going to come from consistency in performance, yes. not by having one performance. Yes. So many, so many times we see, for example, cricketers say, okay, I have a century, I want that century. But yes, maybe you get that century, but what, what happens after that? Suddenly the player is dropping his motivation from after getting that century and suddenly he's got low scores and he's out of the team. Key over here is how can I ensure that I keep repeating my performances on a consistent basis? So although I'm having failures, those failures are minimum and I'm able to go in that path where I want to and that is in the upward direction. Mm-hmm. Most of the time what happens is that the players are going to plateau at a certain level of the game. Either they'll plateau at a district level, maybe they'll plateau at a state level or a national level and there are very, very few athletes like uh, Sachin Tendulkar who is going to directly go to the national level at the age of 16. Most others are going to plateau at certain level. But if they don't understand what they have to add into their game at every plateau, what is going to happen is that they're not going to be able to go to that next level. Right. And that is where the difference between peak performance and performance is. Understanding what is it that's going to give me that next level of consistency as I go up the ladder at the competitive level. Again, as, as we read some of the things that we read that uh, we our brain is uh, used at around say 18 to 20 percent. We don't use the brain more than that. Like the mm. those are the things I'm sure you can correct me if I'm wrong. But those right. are the things which I have read. When somebody says that I'm giving my 200 percent, we know it's practically not possible. You're talking mm-hmm. about as long as you give 100 percent and a consistent 100 percent is what you can give because giving 200 percent that means you are good excelling than yourself and you are setting the wrong benchmark. And also, I have seen parents or the PE teachers and uh, or the coaches telling, why aren't you giving, not giving more than 100%? So, do you think the statement itself is wrong that giving more than 100%? I'm trying to, I'm, this is what my potential is. Right. Coming back to that question of saying, when you said, okay, our brain uses 18 to 20%, I'm sure you must have also heard about the left brain and the right brain, the right. two different hemispheres. So anatomically, obviously, there are two different hemispheres. But to put it in a very simplified, simplified manner, finally, the brain itself is so intertwined and interconnected that this is from our explanation point of view, we are creating and segregating these areas. But finally, the brain as a whole is one unit. And of course, there is no doubt that our capabilities are absolutely limitless in what beyond what we can even imagine. There is no doubt about it. And I think so the key should be to keep searching for my next limit that I, which I feel impossible today. But when we say, when let, let us say, for example, coaches or when they say, okay, come on, give you a hundred percent. In a way, it becomes abstract by nature because the player is not able to understand, okay, what does it really mean? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Right. Because it's fine to say that, but, and I would put, I'll, I'll put this in a larger framework and say the greatest issue with the mental part is that most of the things are very abstract in nature and it's very easy for us to talk about it for example but it's very difficult to apply it when it comes to our own self for example you say okay believe in yourself it's a fine but what does it really mean what do i really do we don't know that focus okay fine focus meaning what what do i do to myself should i pinch myself 
should i hit myself what do i do to focus understand right so it's very easy to say is therefore i i personally believe that humans by nature every psychologist because of our understanding of human instinctive understanding of what the other human person feels emotes right our empathy as a quality we have got the great factor of empathy and i'm therefore i'm sure you must have given such amazing advice to your friend maybe if he was in a problem and you must have felt so good ki wow man you know these are solutions which you know you felt you were it was a eureka moment for you but when it comes to your own self it's so difficult to apply those same solutions onto you isn't it yes. and that is the biggest challenge with the mental part that it seems so simple to say and it even seems so simple to understand oh this is what i have to do but when it comes to applying it becomes so very difficult mm-hmm. and that is one of the main challenges why people felt why do you need a coach yeah come on why do you need a mental coach why do you need a sports psychology specialist come on it's so easy you know do you do this no it's not easy i think so now we realize that yes it is really not easy and we need to we need to look at the brain as yes. some kind of a you know it's not as easy to work on it what is the age group typically when the mental conditioning can happen for a for a athlete see i personally feel that mental coaching should start if a child is serious in sports serious yeah for serious yes sports. so yes so i think so it should start by the age of 12 to 14 years okay but what to start and how to start is more important than when to start right what do i start with do mm-hmm. i don't want the child to get bored i don't want the child to understand concepts which at that age is completely inappropriate or you know is going to go over his head yeah. so i feel especially with the mental part the coaching becomes more of an art than a science the science is a scaffolding science becomes your base but how you approach that child i think so is the most crucial part over here so i i feel yes as early as possible catch them young young as in every case of every aspect of the game but how to start becomes more even more crucial when it comes to the mental part why because physical training is fun to do it's fun to go run play it's fun to play the technique but is it fun to sit in one place and listen to stuff no it is not as simple isn't it to listen to gyan no it is not as simple so you have to be smart about how you are positioning and how you are approaching the kids and it is yeah. my belief that most of the time if this doesn't happen because of typical ways of going about doing the psychological part is where the problem is because then we are pushing the coaches you are pushing the parents you are pushing the children away from this very important part if it is not done in the right manner and therefore i feel the approach becomes very crucial at the young age but yes we should start as early as possible 12 to 14 years this is very interesting because a lot of parents don't know exactly what uh, what is the age that uh, that they should be getting uh, a, a child to a, a, a thing they know they is the child serious and all those thing but when i think it's a good thing and do you think uh, the physical uh, like sense and conditioning plays uh, goes hand in hand with mental or they can go uh, two parallel streams by two different coaches or you feel it is required for you to co- to coordinate with the uh, the strength and conditioning no coach? not at the i i feel that as a developing athlete they both are in a way parallel see there is no doubt that strength and conditioning is first after right. let us say we look at the technique part right once we look at the technique part then of course the second layer is the strength part of it the physical body part of it right then the third layer becomes the mental part of it because But if some, i don't have the right body then of course my mind is not going to be able to uh, you know push beyond my body beyond what it can right 
Correct. So, in a way, they are parallel to each other, but and therefore, according, uh, it's very important to create a plan for every child based on what mm -hmm. that age group is to yeah. identify the areas that the child is going to work on. So, only then can we decide. For example, if a child is unfortunately at the age of 14 and 15 years because of a, the way the school is, you know, that time 10 standard starts and all that stuff, then the child gets away from the sport, yeah. right? A great talent is unfortunately getting out of the sport. And at that time, it's so very important that the mental coach comes over there, counsels yeah. the child, counsels the parent on how to go about it and balance studies as well as the sport so that the child remains in that talent. The talent keeps continuously going on till the time the child can make a decision later on after two years or three years. Right? But many a time we see the child get out of the sport. So I think so. That is why it's important for the parents to be sensitized on how to go about approaching this part and how when to start with, and you don't have to start means continuously. You can have two few sessions and, and get an understanding. Go back, start doing those, you know, the, whatever strategies that the mental coach or the sports psychologist has told you. Going into a nice, nice direction. As a mental uh, mental conditioning coach that you are, who do you think, as per you, that that you have seen or uh, you may not be working, but you have seen and observed? Because I'm sure even if you are watching Virat Kohli, you are not watching how he hooks or pulls. Here you're watching how right. he thinks. So, right. who according to you is the person that you see as a change and you admire and actually you want to use the example? And I'm sure if it's Virat Kohli, I want to know some other example than Virat Kohli. Yeah. See, I feel that there are there are many, right, who are great, who have been great peak performers. But even if, I think so, it's important because today's icon is Virat Kohli. There's no doubt. But people need to know why he is great. Correct. Right? It's Correct. fine to say Virat Kohli, but people don't know why. Are we saying he's great because he scored so many centuries? Are we saying he's great because he's hitting so many sixes? No. I, from my point of view, I think so. Virat Kohli is great because he can manage his aggression. For me, his ability to manage his aggression and use it and exploit it to his advantage across various formats of the game is what makes him the number one batsman in the world. Similarly, for MS to absorb the pressure. Absolutely. I was just going to say that even for Dhoni at that time, when you looked at Dhoni with the long hair and, you know, at that time in 2006-07 when he came uh, or after five to six years. But yes. the outer exterior, believed the great calmness of mind, the great character that he, you know, he had in, inside of him. And it is, I feel every sportsman is inherently an aggressive, aggressive person. The, the importance of sharing this to you, I feel, is that there are so many parents who say that, you know, my child is introvert, I want him to go an extrovert. Then there are few parents who say that, oh, he's too angry, I want him to calm down, right? So there are few parents who say he's too extrovert, he just cannot be in one position, he's just moving around. No parent is happy about how the child <laughs> is. <busy. laughs> about how he is. And I personally feel is that finally the child is going to be able, should be able to mold his game based on how his personality is. Virat Kohli was able to do that and that is why I feel he's successful. Uh, before I come to a couple of examples that I want to ask you, just for the people who are really interested in considering mental conditioning as their future or the career that they want to take it, what are the typical courses or which are the institute that you feel that are doing a good job and the, the, the people can consider those? Uh, there are a lot of diploma courses that have started. I think so. there are a few diploma courses in UK which have started. They are proper... Uh, uh, sports and exercise psychologist courses, courses that are there mm -hmm. and I think so the sector is uh, just opening up and there is uh, there is no doubt that there is going to be a huge need or there is certainly a need for sports and exercise psychologists. At the same time as I said it the challenge is 
is finally is in uh, how you are going to approach this. You need to have that patience and passions to develop this as a profession because it is not as easy as it sounds. It certainly sounds rosy. There's no doubt about it. It certainly sounds enigmatic, you know, psychology. So I had to struggle initially to develop this into a profession. No doubt about it. Yeah. I think, but this is, this is something useful. Yes, there are a lot of data available for people to go and study, but always something coming from a person like you, what kind of thing that we can study and all. I think it always helps to give them a direction. Right. So now I want to come to the, the fun part of what uh, of this is like, yes, first we spoke about the theoretical and why and how and all those things. Right. I want to come to the fun part where people can e- relate to a few things. That as in the start, you mentioned the working with the Vidarbha team and we know right. how Vidarbha performed for so many years in Ranji and right. suddenly last three, four years is a drastic change. I don't know right. what Wasim Jaffer did there or what other people did and, and you are also part of the whole thing. What is the, what is what was the... Uh, were the rabbits in, in the uh, hiding in the hat that uh, you just had to get them out? So what what was it? So it's like how do you how does a team cope up with so much of not doing anything, not winning for so many years and a transformation? So to give a quick perspective, first of all, I feel that any performance, any success is a teamwork, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's a spoke in the wheel. And um, I was happy and lucky and privileged to and honored to be part of that team. Uh, When I joined in 2013, when I went over there, uh, Vidarbha uh, at that time for the last 70 years had never ever come close to winning a title. The only time close maybe was in uh, 1950s when they had gone into a semi-final or something of that sort in the Ranji. But or else they they had never been there. Okay. And so when I joined in 2013, uh, I started directly with the Ranji team. And then from 2014 to 16, looking at my work, uh, I was also made the mental coach for their under 17, uh, under 16, under 19, under 23, as well as the women's team. So I was handling almost 200 players uh, um, over there. And within three years, uh, in in 2016, 17, within three years, from not winning any title, I'm happy to share that three teams in one year, the Ranji team, the under 16 team and the 23 team, won the respective board titles. So yes. I think it was a miracle and I was happy to be part of it. And uh, yes, the common, the common thing over there was the mental part. And uh, what I would say is that finally, did I do something? No, I didn't do something. I think the players did something. What maybe I did, what maybe worked over there was so many years, Vitrava was known as the uh, foster uh, area of Maharashtra, yes. right? In a way, it is that uh, that is you know, backward or slightly, uh, not now, but, you know, it was considered as not it's as a, looked upon properly. And it's therefore, a, it's a third, third, third wheel of Maharashtra cricket. Third wheel, you right? Third wheel. Yeah. And, and there was that sense of, you know, when the big boys were the Mumbai, big boys were Bangalore, big boys was Maharashtra, you know, Delhi. And they had a huge complex when it came to actually playing against them. And for, my, for me, my foremost job, was to help them, and again, this sounds very simple, but my foremost job was to help them focus on playing the ball and not the baller. Mm-hmm. And help wow. them focus on playing, right? Uh, your game, your way, the way you think is appropriate, right? And uh, removing the fear of what will happen, you know, what if I fail? And I think so, these are the three main focus points. And I have to say this that. At that time, remember, this is seven years back. At that time, uh, there was no mental coach ever in any of the associations till then. 
right i was the first mental coach for any of the ranji teams at that point in time right and i have to give it to the management for thinking that okay this is something yeah. that we should look at that is very important yes very important i have to thank uh, sairaj who was there in the first chair and then paras mamre who was there for the for two years where we did a lot of work and he was very open and as you as you realize when they are they trust you and they know that okay you are doing the right thing with the right intention and they give you a free hand it works wonderful and i think the players responded well and maybe one of the factors must have been that they were the mental part and of course badrinath was there uh, wasim jafar was there ganesh satish was there fais fazal was opening up umesh yadav was there so i had the privilege of working with all these athletes and you know talking to me was small small things and uh, i think so it just fell in place and i'm happy they are really doing well even yeah. after i have come out and i'm sure uh, this now it's vidarbha is a team to reckon with i'm so yeah, happy I, for that i i i think the belief has come in right it's not only it's not a one yes. night wonder it is they have shown the performance for 2 3 years and now so absolutely is, so that means it is it is and there now to stay. chandrakant uh, pandit yes very yes. true very true he just so taken it ahead sure correct so uh, okay now a little different question you as a professional or a person uh, you working at one side you're working with somebody like sharat kamal uh, he's he's a great friend as well for me and uh, he is like right. the the greatest paddler that india ever had uh, right. and uh, with so many accolades uh, and at one side you work with him and at the same same side you work with a 14 15 16 year old getting ready for the first olympic of their life so how do you manage because obviously maturity level understanding level for both is completely different so how right. do you do this on off kind of thing in your own head as a professional right and uh, so uh, may, uh, for example one hour i am talking to big athletes or the ipl players that i work with on another hand i have to work with 16 and 18 year olds uh, with their teenage issues and all the different hormones yes. that are swirling in your head and uh, for me uh, it is all about trying to push myself in seeing how can i best help that athlete for his challenge mm-hmm. so that is the question that i'm always asking myself before i start a session and therefore that helps me remove any kind of you know uh, uh, what do you say that oh he's just a 18 year old oh he's just you know just starting off no for me the question is for both players finally they have to be consistent and they have to be able to express their potential in their game right here he is playing uh maybe an international game or others and here maybe he's playing a local uh, state level match it really doesn't make a difference for me for me it's all about giving them those strategies which are going to work for that point of view and approaching them with that right kind of uh, methodology right which will right. be different for an olympian versus different for a teen athlete correct so right. it basically it's it's yeah. uh, it doesn't make uh, for you uh, you have to have a strategy which is the winning even though uh somebody like sharad is uh, is going for his last olympic where somebody right. at the other level going for the first olympic both will right. have different anxieties absolutely absolutely well said and it is to recognize that both will have different ways of looking at things more than anxieties ways of looking at things yeah. a way in which a sharad maybe at the age of 37 looking and maybe a 22 year old boxer whom i am working yeah. with sunil kumar who is now world number 4 india number 1 yes. so uh, for both their outlook of how they are going to look at olympics is completely different their yes. motivations are different their aspirations are different and therefore the decisions that they are going to make in terms of their daily training plan is also going to be different correct right and therefore i have to look at them with a different eye although therefore the principle remains the same my approach completely differs in that wow It's, it's it's different it's it sounds so much fun it's like i'm i'm just getting the uh, it's it's a different feel when you hear all these things so uh, 
so with all this thing what is your toughest assignment or the biggest challenge that you faced in this uh, yeah. other than the acceptance what was the sure see my toughest challenge i have to say was me being part of the indian football team for the fifa under 17 world cup just think about it that time when i joined about there were 7 months for the world cup it was india's first ever fifa world cup first ever correct the second challenge was that the all these athletes were 16 17 year old boys coming from far off places across the length and breadth of the country third big challenge was these athletes had never ever played even in front of 400 spectators and their first match had to be played at at delhi in front of prime minister narendra modi and in front of 45000 spectators wow right and you can imagine uh, you cannot even imagine the kind of emotion that were going on at that time and for me i had to i had to create a training plan along with my coach luis morton who was a portuguese coach to help them slowly get them to a state where at that moment of time they forget about all these things although it's a it is going to be the biggest four matches of their life forget all about it and play their game based on the plan that the coach had set to them right right so this i think so was a great challenge and i took it as a challenge and with the help of the aiff and support of them as well as the coach i am happy that it turned out well how to handle the fame positive connotation is of course seeing that okay that fame gives me more responsibility to play my game in a better manner the fame gives me more responsibility to behave in a certain manner the fame gives me a responsibility to see how i can motivate the even younger players to come into the game and provide the right values so those are the positive sides of how fame you can use them but the negative connotation is when sometimes we see that there's too much of fame at too early age and maybe the the person is not able to handle it it's not his fault it's it's just the way he is right he's not able to either handle the money part of it the fame part of it and of course then the values start either you know they start under, they don't realize the do's and don'ts then therefore they have fallouts with the media or with the public and that can have these are the negative connotations to fame and therefore i really believe that on a larger level when we talked about the developing athletes i think so developing good value systems yes is the key part of developing a great athlete and i think so the earlier we start talking about this and the more we start talking about this the more it becomes a part of that athlete's personality and not something that he needs to learn after he develops that kind of thing right I right i think so this sense. is yeah. a very important part of uh, athlete mm-hmm. development that we will need to now start right right taking right. more makes, seriously makes makes a lot of sense as my final thoughts about towards the parents young kids or the amateurs we we are i don't want to focus on the elites uh, but right. at least these three segments sure uh, so i think so the message is this the message is to push yourself to look at your decisions that you make positive or negative because the decisions are happening in your mind yeah. and the more objective you are about the decisions that you make the more you will start understanding how your mind works and the more you start understanding your mind the more you can start controlling it and the more you can start controlling it the more success you're going to start getting into your journey so dr swarup really appreciate your time i think it gave a lot of different perspective from lot different aspects of ecosystem in the sports and thank uh, really thank you for the being such a great inspiration for a lot of people and i think people do look up to you 
and uh, when so we much. i when i i i look up to sharad and and his grit and he you are the one who is the a guy behind his mental coaching i think there is a different kind of uh, relation that ha- <laughs> that happens so uh, wish you all the best thank you siddharth thank you for having me here i enjoyed this conversation and wish you all the best for this talk show that you have created it's a wonderful platform and i i learned from this conversation with you and i hope to interact with you soon thank you again thank you thank you take care mm-hmm.